It's a big deal. Do you think, uh, have I driven that home yet? Are you guys picking up on that yet? You understanding that uh, communion's a big deal? If I can find it, there's a verse in here, a couple verses that talk about it. And uh, it's, it blows me. You guys know what this is? Anybody read this thing? Like, this thing is just, it'll bend your brain. Like, what you thought was, uh-uh, eh, survey says, like, it's just not, it's just not, You ever get in the Bible and you, you think you're in there for one thing and you come out with a totally different thing? Like, doesn't it just tell you, like, there's something different about the Word of God? Like, even stuff that you've read 20, 30, 40, 80 times, and this new revelation pops into your heart and you're just blown away by the goodness of God. Communion is a reminder of that to me. Communion to me is, is a reminder of who I am. That no longer am I the Fred that lived his first 36 years in hell. But I'm the Fred that's living the remainder of my life. And that includes eternity as a blood-bought son of the king of kings, that makes me royalty, and it's high time that I start acting like it. Yeah. Right? Like, i got to stop believing the lies. Nobody comes into a kingdom and tells the prince what he's about. Right? Those people lose their heads. Right. <laughs> Off of his head! Off of his head! But Jesus paid for us. Hey, you guys got some communion elements for me, guys? But I was trying to find the verses here in John. It's like 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. And Jesus is talking about the importance that, like, if you don't eat his body and you don't eat his blood, you're kind of running on your own gospel message. Right? So how beautiful, how beautiful to remember whose we are. It's one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn. Because prior to God, B.C., before Christ, we were of the world. By his blood and no work of our own, by grace through faith, we are saved for an eternal life with the creator of heaven and earth. And if you think this world trips your brain, like how beautiful it is, like, oh my gosh. Back in my days, I used to be very philosophical. And I would have great deep conversations of the world and all these things. And I thought myself quite smart. 
And to think, even in my delusional, messed up brain, how I was imagining all these things, heaven would be greater. So with my altered state of reality, when I'm in this deep space place that I thought was everything, I still couldn't get as deep or as wide or as beautiful as the reality of God. And therefore, I got to think to myself, like, what's the point of this altered reality that I was living in versus living in the reality and the love of the Father? <laughs> like, he's just ridiculous. Like, I, I can't get over it. I cannot, I can tell you stories for hours, but we should do communion. You see, he taught us how we're to live. You and I get salty, wrapped around the axle when things don't happen right or when somebody doesn't meet our expectations. But here's a dude gonna, gonna kill Jesus, gonna be responsible for turning him in. Do what you came to do, friend. He shared a meal with him. He shared a meal with him the night before he turned him in. And he knew he was getting turned in. How do we take that message and put it into our lives? Because as we talked about last week, we are actually in the gospel message. We are actually living in biblical times. And so how are we going to do what God is calling us to do, right? Like, we have to be able to get ourselves in there and, hello, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it. I'm even going to take my hat off. said, this is my body, mine, has broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup, he blessed it and he gave thanks. He said, take and drink. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we're going to do the doxology. As, and I'm just going to remind you because I never want to do it just because that's what we do here. That was religion. We do what we do because that's what we do. I don't want to do that. I don't ever want to get trapped in that religious cycle. I don't want a part of that circus. I don't want to be the, the ringleader. I don't want nothing. I don't want anything to do with it. So, praise God always. Hallelujah. Praise God always. Amen? Amen. From whom all, not some, but all blessings flow. What should that tell us? What should that tell us about the goodness of God, that everything that is good is coming from God. Praise him, all creatures here below.
Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's sing that together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. It is good to give thanks to God. So if you're wondering why I'm wearing this hat, this is a, uh, and this is not a, an endorsed commercial, but uh, I was in Arkansas preaching at a, at a all-black church for a weekend, and we spent a lot of time together and had a great time, and one of the guys before I left gave me this hat, and this is a uh, Christian sport, sporting goods company, and it says, in Jesus' name I pray, I play. So we've been studying Advent a little bit, right? So what was the first week? Faith. Hope. 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 And there's faith. Last week was? We don't have all those candles, buddy. <laughs> so hope, faith, and joy. What is one of the greatest gifts that we have with the Father? Love. Love. That's the greatest. So I kind of tricked you a little bit. I said one of the greatest. Peace. Amen. And so we light the peace candle. And it can be that peace that transcends all understanding as we, as we celebrate Advent or those things to come. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about, you can build on that. Jesus is the reason for more than this season. Amen? Jesus is the reason that there's peace at all. Yeah? Nyalewa? Boom! She nailed it. <laughs> That's good. I really want to show you pictures of my... Uh, they call it spiritual son in, in Kenya. He just graduated from some seminary classes that we as a congregation helped put him through. So it's pretty awesome. But peace. How many of you guys have peace in your life? Yeah? A lot more. That's, that's probably a really good answer. Um, it's a different place. It's a different place. My father-in-law shows a lot of peace in situations that would drive me absolutely bonkers. Um, so I get to learn and watch him as he, as he demonstrates what peace is. And he finds it in Jesus Christ in the gospel message. Amen. Um, so it's coming. It's coming, and every day we walk, every day we walk, we take another step to getting to that place of peace with God and within ourselves and with others, amen? So we can celebrate that. So Jesus is more than more, Jesus is the reason for more than this season. 
I think it's important that as we talk about Christmas, we really, and I know pastors probably hammer this every year, but um, I don't know if you'll ever hear it like this again, or ever have. Who's the gospel message for? Lottie dottie everybody, right? For God so loved the world, right? So I think we need to get that, I think we need to get that in our heads and we need to turn the microphone down a little bit. Um, but it really has to, it really has to resonate with us um, somewhere deep within us. Somewhere deep within us, we have to find this balance because if we talk about Advent and we talk about Christmas and we talk about Christ and his birthday and we celebrate it on the 25th and all that stuff, there's, there's bound to be something, something more. So who heard of Paul Revere? Right? Do you remember Paul Revere and he rode in on his horse and, and he said, the British are coming, the British are coming. <laughs> Or did he? Did Paul Revere actually ride in and save the day so that those people would know that the British were coming? Was he on his own? Did he, like he is, he is revered and taught in our schools that Paul Revere, this great bugle for, for what was coming, he saved the nation. Even though the infamous facts about him were wrong, we still built a complete storyline based on a false telling by Henry Wadsworth. He wrote a poem a hundred years after Paul Revere's infamous ride. Paul Revere was not alone. Paul Revere got captured and thus couldn't, couldn't give the information like he wanted to to the, the one destination that they needed to get to. And yet we have built an entire story, taught our children, the schools teach it, and we know it to be false. But yet we still keep teaching it. Does that sound like it makes good sense? Was Jesus born December 25th? Does it matter? Right? Like, I think it's important that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And if nobody can pin it down, some people say September 29th, I think. Um, other people say April because he was the lamb. And, and after, after the winter months and then in the spring and they give birth to the offspring. And then they have the whole summer to feed on the beautiful. But does it matter? So what are, we, what are we teaching? What are we teaching about Christmas? Because some will say that this points you to Jesus, but the word itself says, this is my body and this is my blood. We know that Jesus was born So the whole point of this is not even Jesus. 
necessarily. Isn't that messed up? Does the story you're living match the story in your heart? Is that good? So the life that you're living, is that actually who you know yourself to be? Or are you living a different life based on what you've been taught from a young age? How many of our schools teach pass-fail? And you have this grading system that goes A, B, C, D, F. What's the worst thing you can do? Get an F, right? What if that wasn't accurate? What if, what if we were teaching our children in a way that they just don't learn? Like, we don't all learn the same, right? So somehow we've made that to be a bad thing. Somehow we make our history whatever we want it to be. Somehow we live our lives based on lies that we were taught from a young age and now we back them up as we keep going because whether it's fear, whatever it is, something inside our hearts is stopping us from living the life that we actually want to live. Yeah? How many of you guys could say emphatically without a shadow of a doubt that you have lived up to every dream in your heart to this point? Like, I am exactly who I want to be. I've never, I don't have one false belief about me. When I get up in the morning, I say, dang, that dude is good looking. Woo! Let's start this day. Amen. I can't wait to go to Cardinal Glass and work. I want to pack glass. Yes. I'm excited. It's what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. I remember when I was three and we drove past the plant. I said, Mom, one day I want to work there. That did not happen. And I'm not saying anything bad. That just happens to be where I'm working. A dream that I'm living out that I never thought I could do, this job. This makes my heart sing more than anything else that I've ever, and it took a long time to get here. I fought hard to do what I'm doing. My payment is eternal. It's not in the now. But somehow life will tell you that you need your stuff now, yeah? Like we live in this microwave society. So with Christmas right around the corner, what can or will change in your life because the story of Jesus is true? So if you believe that Jesus is who Jesus says he is and who the Bible says he is, then what's going to change in your life? How are you going to live differently because that story is true? If Paul Revere is false and Jesus' birthday is in the 25th, that kind of twists things a little bit for you. But if the story of Jesus Christ is true, how will you or can you change according to the truth of that story? What do you think? The world celebrates Christmas, but not everyone who does believes. Why would you celebrate Christmas if you don't even believe in Christ? 
Remember the number from last week? The Advent conspiracy? Remember the number spent on Christmas annually? What was it? One trillion dollars. And how many of those people do you think are believers? If you were to guess. What are they celebrating? What are they doing? They, they got no problem taking a week off on vacation, right? Company gives us paid days. I got guys going to work that'll get double time, two and a half times on Christmas. They'll take that money instead of saying, oh, no, I don't believe in Jesus. Nope, you can keep your Christmas bonus. It's just a Sunday. You keep that money. I don't care. They got the stones to throw, throw names out and, and cast judgments on believers. But they'll take the benefits. What about us? What about us? The wise men, they say, how many wise men were there? What's that? Four, come you. Give that man something good. Did you read that? In the Bible? Right, that's, that's, right there's, that's the, what I'm talking about. Like, we've fabricated this whole story over three wise men. Where does it say that? It shows it in the nativity scene. It says it in every children's book. It's a great story. What are we celebrating? Do we know? You can't move or win at life until you're free from the lies. Like if I know that the story about three wise men is of little to no significance, it's great, it's a wonderful story, and absolutely it's true that it says that, that the, the wise men came, they followed the star. What day did they leave? Where did they come from? Why are all the books written? All this is to not, I say it again, it's not even to talk about the three wise men, or Jesus Christ necessarily. I mean, Jesus is always the center of our conversation and everything that every sermon ever, always needs to get back to. The point is, like, if Jesus is true, then what have you believed? What's stopping you and locking you up from doing what God is calling you to do? Why is it that addictions have so much control over our lives? What is actually going on? What are the lies that we're believing? And can we take for a moment this Advent season and pray and walk in hope and faith with joy in our hearts and peace will transcend our hearts and our minds? 
How are we going to get peace when we keep wrestling with enemies that Jesus already defeated? But yet, here we go. We're getting knocked around by an enemy who's already defeated. But what lies got you locked up? What lies have got you stopped? You can't get past it. You can't seem to move past it. Like you see that everybody else is living this life and you want it. Like you can, you can lay up in church those people who are, well, those people got to be religious. They got That's where I want to go. I want to be like them. But what's got you locked up so that you're not progressing? What's got you locked up so that you actually understand that faith in Jesus Christ is more than just faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is the beginning of this unlocked blessing that Jesus has for all of us. That God the Father paid the price, and yet we live as though there's still money to be paid. What's got us locked up? What's got you locked up? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in what he is saying? You see, y'all, we got to get to that point where we understand that the lies and the things that we've been believing for some of us for decades have got to go. They're just that. They're lies. Pieces of truth mixed in with 99% lies. Or what happens when you're 99% truth and 1% lie? What happens when you're flying an airplane or driving your car and you're just a little bit, the wheels on your car cocked just one degree to the right of the road. So you are no longer running with the road, but one degree off of the road. How long before you're in the ditch? How many of us have spent most or half or part of our life in the ditch? Wondering how the same heck did I get here? Like, again? You ever have one of those cars where you got to hold the steering wheel like this just to keep that thing straight? If you straighten the wheel, you're off that way. Right? And we seem to be living our lives like that. And why, why is it that we're living life like this? Instead of like this. What's that? We're out of alignment. Amen. And that's just it. We, it's not that we want to believe the lies, but the lies seem so convincing. And if I don't know that I'm good enough to receive the truth, then I'm not going to receive the truth. I'm going to keep living in the lie. I'm never going to allow myself to be better than my worst belief in myself. Does that make sense? And so I have to get out of this prison. I have to get out of this jail so that I can do what God's calling me to do. And the only way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to become and get into this relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior for real. Not just say it so that I can come and get some killer wafers and grape juice. Right? Because I believe that story as much as I believe the story of Paul Revere until Pastor Fred ruined it, right? I didn't ruin the story, I didn't write it. I'm just telling you the truth. 
So if Jesus is the reason for the season and Jesus' story is true, then isn't it also true that he is the way, the truth, and the life? How many of you are all locked up in your brain? There's a story, this little fella, Moses. You ever hear Moses? If you haven't heard of Moses, you're going to hear a little bit about him. So in Exodus 4, so now if you remember Moses, who raised Moses? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. Why didn't his mama? Why? So the point that I'm trying to make about this is Jesus was chucked into the river. Not that his mama didn't want him, but he's put in a basket, sent down the river, picked up by a lady. Hey, that's a cute kid. Bring him to my house. Said Pharaoh's daughter, right? So now he's considered a what? Would he be an orphan? Would he be a foster kid? What would it be? And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to correlate that story to the things that we're living today. The ones, those lies that tell us we can't get beyond something. We're victimized by our past. So some people suffer from this victim mentality. They suffer from an orphan spirit. Right? Other people have just spoken some really horrific things or had some really horrific things happen to them. Moses ended up killing a dude. And then he took off and ran to the desert when somebody called him on it. How great of a guy was Moses? God had a plan for Moses. And it was important for Moses to understand, more than likely, important for him to understand some of the cultural aspects of the Egyptians. So he wasn't just learning. So he went through a season and it wasn't wasted. Amen? We go through seasons in our life and they're not wasted. But there's things that we can take from them, truths that we can pull from them, Ways that we're going to be able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ later in our lives. And it was kind of important for us to go through that. It's not all bad. God will not waste it. Even if the enemy brought you to it, God won't waste it. It says, what does it say? That God will work all things for his glory. Yeah? So here we are in, in Exodus 4, 10 through 13. And I want to check this out because... We disqualify ourselves from preaching or teaching or carrying out the gospel and says, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm not eloquent. How many of you guys are eloquent? How many of you guys, if you got a call today to be a pastor, would accept that and say, Heck yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Good. Locked and loaded, Lord. Let's, let's hit it. Eloquent, he would speak very fine. He would have a good tongue. He would have good, good vocabulary, 
right? So that would be, he would, he would maybe use that word since he came from, from royalty, eloquence. He would handle himself well. And so, so I, have not, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Is he feeling like he's got his stuff together? Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes his, him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with you with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. What's got your brain locked up? ourselves, our past, the, like there's, there's such a willingness. If I were to call you on it, you'd probably say it's really stupid to be locked up where you're locked up, but yet you stay locked up. Where, where are we in our walk with Jesus Christ? Where are we in the walk with the truth? Does that sound like a good place to be? Like here's Moses, one of the greatest figures in the Bible, and he's telling you of his struggles when God is calling him. He's telling you of his struggles and how hard it is for him because what did he do? He picked out all of his deficits. He didn't see himself for what God called him to be. And we stop because we're locked up in our minds from doing what God is calling us to do. Moses was forced to leave his home as a baby, raised by another family, became a murderer, and was a lowly shepherd. But you can build on the truth. Who remembers Philippians 4.13? Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's a lot of people's favorites, but they just want to go out and throw semi-trucks around the interstate. Yep, I just said that. Is that accurate? Can I, can I go down in the basement and lift this church up with one hand? Just because I want to show you guys what real faith looks like. Right? Like I'm going to puff out my chest. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to one hand this thing. God, you said. If God called me to do that. But did you notice how I played that? See? And we want to use the word of God, not in the way that God is calling us to use it, but in, in a way to boast about ourselves, to boast about our faith. But what we're lacking is we're lacking this obedience. We're lacking the truth, right? We want to believe a false truth instead of the real truth. So change your thoughts and you change your world. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And I love the last part. Well, I love the whole thing. I'm the way. Follow me. Right? What did John come to do before Jesus? He made straight the path of the way of the Lord, yeah? Now here's Jesus, and he's showing us how to go. So we're to follow him. What does that take? That means we need to keep our eyes on him. Right? We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. 
Well, how do I do that? He's been gone for 2,000 years. Faith. Your Bible, your faith, right? Listening, right? Because just because Philippians 4.13 said I can do anything doesn't mean that because we get an idea, we can do it. If God gives you this idea, if God tells you to do it, absolutely. There's no way, no way on heaven or earth that I would be where I'm at on my own. There is no way that, I, I actually ran away from this call for two years because there's no way that I was going to do this. But God's relentless and he's beautiful. And so if he's the way, if he's showing me the way, and I know that this is the truth, like his story, he is, he is who he said he is. If I can believe in that, if I can walk in that, now I have the way and I have the truth. I know that God is calling me to it. And if he calls me to it, he can get me through it, amen? And that's, that's just this beautiful life that I never thought that I could actually ever have. And so I have to change some of my thinking to get into agreement with the word of God and the assignments of God. If I keep calling out things as though my bursitis, my this, my that, that's not the truth. It's not your illness. It's not your pain. It's not. Quit owning it. You're not stupid. You're perfectly and wonderfully made. You can build on the truth. John 15, 1 through 2 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dress. For every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit. There's going to be pruning. There's going to be times when it feels tough, when it feels impossible. And you have to hang in there. You have to rally around in a group of friends who actually have faith in God to hold up one another and say, man, you're just getting pruned. It's going to be okay. Yeah? As you build new relationships, how hard is that? When you have expectations of somebody and they don't meet it. Right? And then you're like, well, they're not a real friend. John 15, 3 and 4a, already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And this is Jesus talking about what he did on that cross. Or what's going to come on the cross. Already you are clean because of the word. Who's the word? Jesus is the word. Right? And he's telling us to abide in him. John 8, 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I hear it a lot as a pastor, people talking about they feel like they're in darkness. They feel like there's no hope, there's no whatever. And so these, these lies are of the enemy. So if one of these is leading you towards something that's dark, something that's not, something of the old lies... This is not a place where you want to hang out, not a place where you want to be. You are searching for the light, the way, the truth, and the life. 
right? That path is lit up for us, and we can look and see and understand what God's doing. Amen? Does that make sense? And so it comes from this relationship with God, with this relationship with Jesus Christ, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and abiding. And abiding is being obedient. John 8, 31 and 36 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They didn't understand what slavery meant. And how many of us are slaves to lies? How many of us have been slaves to something that just leads us in a bad path every single time, right? We could talk about addictions to whatever you want. And where are we? Where are we in this thing? Where are we in our faith with Jesus? Where are we in the truth of the cross? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. How many of you rationalize rolling through stop signs? How many of you rationalize foul language? How many of you rationalize maybe more glasses of wine than you should have? How many of us rationalize whatever it is we rationalize and say this one's okay? How many people in the church do it pretty consistent? The beautiful thing about it is there's no more condemnation, but there is conviction. And there is learning to walk in the truth that will set you free. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So that's telling us that there's hope. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Have you taken Christ as your savior for real? Are there things that we need to learn about the truth of the story of the gospel of Christ? Or where are we? You know, the whole thing, as it's said multiple times, you can build on that. We can build on the truth of the cross. We can build on the truth of Jesus Christ. And all those things, you know, as a, as a carpenter for 30 years, there, every board that you look at, you look down the board and you see if it's bowed or if it's wavy, if you're going to use it or not. If you can use it, if it's straight, if it's true, then you can use it. But every single one of those boards, if they're not placed in the right place, they're not going to build the house that you want to place. So Jesus is the cornerstone, and off of that cornerstone, we can build an entire house. Amen? Without that cornerstone being placed where it's supposed to be, we have nothing. We have nothing. We need to build our, our homes, our houses on the rock of Jesus Christ, on the cornerstone, so we know where we're supposed to be. Right? So I just want to pray, and then... Uh, yeah, it's... So God, we love you and we thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray a prayer of truth tonight in this house.
the Lord God that uh, any of us who are believing lies, any of us who are believing things that are not true, that Father God, you would help us to see the truth. You would help us to steer the ship, to right the ship, to right our direction, to right our way. And Lord God, we just ask that you would be in our lives for real. Help us where we're believing lies. In this Christmas season, Lord God, help us to look forward to the truth, to your message, Lord. Help us to be real with you. You know where we're telling the truth and you know where we're not. You know where we need struggle, where we are having struggles and where we're not. So Lord, bless us, gird us up, strengthen us, help us to be right and righteous. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.